It's Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program. You're invited if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything that you want. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie and Nikki. So, we've got stuff to talk about. Aria had some car issues. She couldn't make it in tonight. But there's, of course, crazy stuff in the news to discuss. Nikki, you wanted to talk about home births going on the rise during COVID, which is one good side effect, I think, and we can get into that. Uh, But uh, also, the San Francisco Chronicle has a pretty wild proposal that the government should force parents to give up children to the state. Oh, God. That all parents should be forced to give up their children to the control of the state. and We can uh, just live like Anthem by Ayn Rand. It's a pretty crazy proposal, and want to get into that uh, as well here. Again, uh, the number is 603-283-6160. But, but let's start with the good news, uh, Nikki. Yeah. So... Th- According to CDC data, home births surged last year amid the pandemic. The number of home births rose by nearly 20% in 2020 as U.S. grappled with COVID-19. And in this article, they kind of suggest that it's due to fear. And I'm sure that that's an aspect of it. But I'm thinking... Based fear on, of going into a hospital, you mean? Yeah, or? like fear of going into the hospital and getting covid mm. Based on the people that I've interacted with that have given birth over the past couple of years during the pandemic, it seems like it's mainly that they don't want to deal with one, wearing a mask in labor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or them pushing the vaccine on them or not being able to have their husband or their mother or other support people in the room with them. That would be number one for me. That's terrible. Yeah. And I, I think that's the biggest reason. But the article goes on to say... Fears and restrictions tied to the COVID pandemic appear to have led a sharp increase in women opting to home birth rather than birth in a hospital or other facility in 2020. The number of home births rose by nearly 20 percent. It was 38,000 in 2019, and now it is over 45,000 in 2020, and I'm sure it's going to be even more this year. Hmm. As people are hearing stories from their friends who had home births and they people are starting to realize it's not as crazy as they once thought it was. It's actually maybe even safer than giving birth in the hospital because you don't have to worry about all of the bacteria and the viruses that you're not used to. Mm. You're in the comfort of your own home with a healthcare provider that you got to choose yourself, right. not just whatever doctor is working that night. Isn't it a lot more affordable as well? So it depends if you have insurance or not. Mm -hmm. So typically some insurance companies cover home birth and then some don't. So if you have health insurance, it's essentially kind of free. Like you don't have to pay out of pocket to have a hospital birth. Whereas a home birth would probably run you like four to $5,000. That's kind of crappy that uh, insurance covers birthing. I mean, that's not like an... That's not like a thing that just happens to you generally. I mean, I understand some people get knocked up on accident or whatever, but generally a child is something you can plan. Yeah. It's not like you've been infected with a disease and you weren't expecting it. If you have sex unprotected, there's a good chance you're going to have a baby. Yeah. So that just means that all the people who are responsible and 
choosing not to have kids or are planning their children are now being forced to pay for everybody that has an oopsie kid yeah, through essentially, insurance. Yeah, essentially, in my practice, I actually don't accept insurance because they make it so difficult for healthcare providers mm-hmm. to accept insurance that it's easier to just say no. All the forms. You have to, yeah. I mean, you jumping. need to have someone employed just to handle insurance. That's right. And yeah. it's just not worth it for me. And it seems like most of my clients are like more natural people who don't have insurance. Like they're more pay up front kind of people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it works for me as well as a lot of other providers. It seems but. like it would be overall cheaper, even if you didn't have insurance to pay for people to come over to your house and, you know, I'm sure you pay for the service and for some of the things that the people will give you, but in hospital, you're going to be paying for a lot more of unnecessary things. There's tremendous overhead. I'm not sure. And overhead, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact price of a hospital birth, but I'm assuming it's ranging from Mm $15,000 upwards to like 30 if you have a cesarean section. (sighs) But so compared to four to Mm $5,000, I mean, that's... That's saving the insurance companies a lot of money, but for some reason, you know, they're they're tied in so heavily with the pharmaceutical companies and with the hospitals that they don't cover home birth, even though it would save them so much money. Hmm. So to continue with the article, Elizabeth Gregory, a CDC health scientist and lead author of the study, says that home births as a percentage of all births in 2020 rose by 22%. To their highest level since 1990, um, accounting for 1.26% of all births last year compared to 1.03% in 2019. So as you can see... (laughs) 22% sounds like a lot, but then... But then once you... Still very small. So it is like still we're in like the 1% range of Uh the amount of women in the United States having home births. That's so small. It's smaller than I expected it to yeah. be. It's honestly. weird considering, yeah, I, I know multiple people that have had home births, so that's pretty crazy. This must be the circles that we run in. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, too. And I think a lot of liberty-leaning, freedom, sovereign mm-hmm. people want to have home births because in the hospital, your bodily autonomy is taken away from you. Mm. In home birth, we operate under informed consent. So we're not doing things to people without their actual consent. And before that consent is given, we give them all of the information, all of the pros, cons, and possible complications that their choices could lead them down. Whereas in the hospital, they don't tell you any of that. They don't tell you any of the real data or possible complications. And they operate under informed consent where it's like, if you're here, we're just going to treat you. And I've heard stories from a lot of women where things happened to them in the hospital while they were giving birth that they felt really violated by and nobody like, Give me an example them. of that. Like so, doping you up without your permission, yeah, yeah, cutting so, you open. Cutting yeah. you uh, bigger. Yeah, they mm-hmm. do that. Episiotomies. Um, they do these things called cervical exams. And they're really not necessary. It's just to check the amount of dilation. Mm-hmm. And whereas like if you have a home birth midwife, they would probably be like, hey, would you like me to check you to see how far along you are? You can say yes or no. Whereas in the hospital, it's just like, OK, I'm going to do this to you. Mm. So and that can be a very violating procedure. And when you have people who maybe have a history of sexual assault, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really trigger them. that's traumatic for them. And then it kind of. You fall into this downward spiral of now they're tensing up, now they're uncomfortable, now they're stressed out, and they're not able to birth their babies in, you know, a comfortable, safe, and loving environment. 
And would the the stress stressor factors lead to, uh, to the hospital saying, "Okay, well, we're just going to need to cut you open." Don't yeah. they overprescribe yeah. that basically? Oh, that absolutely. Um, I think we're at thirty percent of cesarean sections in the United States right now. Thirty percent of births are cesarean. You mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the human race always had thirty percent of women having babies that you know couldn't possibly come out without a doctor cutting them open since you know the dawn of creation. I know. It You're being w- sarcastic. Yep. <laughs> And it, I mean, there's just so many things they do in the hospital that kind of cause complications. Like mm-hmm. induction, right? Because yeah. my mom is always frustrated because the doctors, they have, you know, stuff going on in their lives. They want to go see the Super Bowl Sunday, whatever. Uh, so they'll try to convince you that you need to be in- induced if your baby isn't born on the day that, you know, the due date. Your yeah. baby's taking a little longer. Oh, you need to be induced. And it's really not good for the baby or it's going to uh, make your birth more painful and complicated and, and stuff like that. But the yeah. doctors do that just for their own convenience. You should wow. see the induction rates. I have a I have a map of the induction rates. You should see the induction rates the days leading up to Christmas. Hmm. It is like hmm. more than any other day of the year. And What's, then on Christmas, it's like zero. Well, we were looking at something, Bonnie. You had a list of like the most and least birthed dates. I wanted of the to know year. just it actually had nothing to do with birth. Thing. Yeah, um, the holidays are the most rare day to be born in the United States. Like almost yeah. all holidays, even Valentine's Day, and it makes a lot of sense that doctors would be like, "Yeah, so I can't schedule you for that day. I'm busy." Yep. And so Christmas was the least of all of the days of the year. Yeah. Christmas Day was the least. I don't know if Christmas day. day was the least, but the days leading up to Christmas mm-hmm. were the most. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. You can join us. This is Free Talk Live. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join us here. The number is 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160. Joining you in the studio, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. We've been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business and organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. And now Intercoin has its own investor token available worldwide, and you can get it on a centralized exchange called xmarkets.com. It's exmarkets.com. Just use an email address to sign up. You don't have to tell them who you are. Uh, which is pretty unusual for an exchange. You can keep your privacy intact. You can then deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, trade them for Tether, and use that Tether to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin Investor Token. You can learn more about the Intercoin vision over at intercoin.org and buy or sell ITR on xmarkets.com. exmarkets.com, you just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world we're going to go uh, to your phone calls and thoughts nikki you started out the show tonight telling us that home births are up 20 plus percent in the last what couple of years since yep. covid uh basically sounds like a big number but ultimately it's just going from like one percent to 1.2 something percent yeah. uh but still worth noting and still statistically significant as far as the increase is concerned and we'll, we can continue with that discussion but steve wants to weigh in here from michigan steve you're on free talk live hi yeah i actually have a baby on the way and i'm doing a home birth right now awesome I, uh, congratulations yeah I, yeah I uh i hired a midwife and uh you want to do anything that you can to stay out of the hospitals because everything that they do is harmful essentially mm. um they'll 
take the baby straight away, uh, cut the umbilical cord before the blood is done draining to the, uh, to the baby, which is not helpful. Um, you want to avoid cesarean section at all costs because of the microbiome of the vagina, which actually drastically changes um, with it just in days before uh, the mother gives birth. Um, and birth should never be induced. Uh, the baby will come. Uh, it's a very bad idea to induce the baby, do a cesarean section, anything like that. So um, every, everything you said is 100% correct. And I'm actually very impressed that you really know your stuff because a lot of men kind of are just like, that's women. Not my department. Yep, that's women's <laughs> stuff, you know. And I'm I'm noticing a very large increase of men and uh, partners being really, really supportive in birth. I really only see home births, but I've seen some really amazing partners recently just like stepping up to the plate, supporting their wives and, um, be, you know, attending the prenatal appointments and really listening and wanting to be involved in the birth of their children. So I think that's amazing. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I, I honestly was the one advocating for <laughs> doing a uh, for doing an at home birth um, because I, I I've done a lot of. Uh, research into microbiology for years and one of the biggest things is the microbiome of the baby and if the baby doesn't pass through the vagina it doesn't get the um the, uh, vaginal uh, microbiome that uh hmm. like i said shifts um drastically uh just before the woman uh gives birth and in fact in the hospital they try to give the woman antibiotics um which etymologically means uh, anti-life, right? Because bios is the yeah. Greek word for life. So you really do not want to do that. Also, they'll even put antibiotics into the child's eyes right when they yeah. come out. Yep. Usually they'll put a flashlight right in their eyes. So if you can imagine um, coming out of the womb after nine months and then immediately having a flashlight put in your eye, supposedly to make sure that you aren't, uh, you know, I guess deficient uh, in motor skills or something like that. I think that's ridiculous, though. That's crazy. Uh, and the wiping of the eyes with the antibiotics is so ridiculous because if you know you don't have the STD, it's supposed to be curing, then why do you need people treating your baby for the STD? And it's that's kind what of, that's for? Right. Yeah, it's for either uh, gonorrhea or chlamydia, which you would think if they're concerned about it, you would just test the mother. Huh. In pregnancy, and most pregnant women, I'm assuming, or have yeah, one sexual partner. The mother, they can't trust the mother. She, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't like. I, I can't stand. I, I, if 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 there was some kind of emergency that needed some emergency surgery, I dread that so much because mm. of having to go to the hospital. Because really, the only thing that doctors are good at is emergency surgeries. If yeah. there's some kind of life-threatening thing, some kind of an injury or something like that that needs to be to, to be helped. But they're, they have their, their head in the sand when it comes to um, actually uh, helping people typically. So it, it's a really uh, a scary thing to think about having to go to the hospital, which can happen when you have a midwife too. Mm. I mean, yeah. it, that, is, that is something that you have to think about. But typically, if you have a good midwife, you know, if, if if the birth is not going correctly, you can do things to position the baby correctly to, to, to come out. Um, and if you get into the hospital, that's like your worst nightmare. Cause you're going to have awful. to, I, well, yeah, I mean, we went through with our midwife and the chiropractor, my girlfriend is, um, is going through, uh, um, they, we went through a list of all the things that basically that, uh, the government requires midwives to ask you, right? Well, when because 
they have to at least ask you if you want to do these things to poison or harm your baby. And you, in the hospital, they just automatically do them, and you basically have to fight the doctors off. That's why a lot of people hire a doula, which, unlike a midwife, a a doula basically fights the doctors off so that you could have this experience of childbirth. Why you'd even want to be in a hospital, I have no idea, because actually home births are much safer Uh, There's a lot of data that shows that. I mean, except for maybe in extreme emergency circumstances, there's no scenario that you'd want to be in a hospital because virtually everything they do harms the baby. You don't want to take the baby away from the mother and drop it into, uh, you know, a pod of a bunch of screaming babies that are in plastic cases. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, and and every single time in the media, they really push this because in any movie you see every birth is a medical emergency. Right. Everyone's mm, screaming and yeah. yelling. That's and so true. The woman's on a gurney and she's being, you know, thrown through the hallways of the hospital <laughs> as fast as she can. And everyone's pulling their hair out. And it's just completely insane. But that's not what childbirth actually is in the hospital. It is because they don't know what they're doing. So they have this horrible uh, these horrible policies that harm the mother, harm the baby. I think they do a lot of long-term damage as well. Mm. But uh, but you definitely don't want your baby to be injected with, for instance, vitamin K. They, they try and give injections right off the bat. Even now, within the first week, or maybe even the first day, I don't even know, actually. I'm about, my, my last son was born in 2002, so it's been quite a long time. Mm. But uh, they, they try to even give uh, vaccination injections yep. right off the bat. So yeah. you, you really want to stay away from doctors because they do nothing but impose their doctrine, right? That's where Yeah, well, you have to remember, from. this is a business, <laughs> right? Like, of course, they want people to believe in their solutions and their way is the only way, because if people stop i mean if it goes from one percent to ten percent there's a lot of people that aren't going to be using the hospital services and that's a lot less money rolling into those uh, departments so it's business thanks for the call steve really interesting uh you know he's like you said he's very knowledgeable about it that's really impressive Uh, i also i also want to say that only 14 percent of home births results in transport to the hospital Mm -hmm. and almost nine i think over 90% of them are for pain relief. It's not for actual medical reasons. So it's a very low percentage of transports. If you want to join us here, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Once you have the baby, the uh, there's actually people out in California that want to force you to give it up to the state. And we'll talk more about what they want on the way. It's a pretty wild story. That's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And I want to say thanks to Dale, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of the AMPS program over at amps.freetalklive.com. That is our new Patreon 
And Dale is contributing at a gold level, which means that, uh, and I happen to know Dale is a she in this particular case. Uh, Dale is contributing uh, 10 bucks a month, at least, to the AMPs. So for at amps.freetalklive.com, you get some cool perks. And you help us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. So definitely appreciate the support, Dale, over at amps.freetalklive.com. It's Ian, Bonnie, and Nikki in the studio tonight. Uh, Nikki started us out talking about the news that home birthing is up 20-plus percent in just the last couple of years. It's still only at like 1.2-something percent of all of all births, but nonetheless, you know, People are starting to change their minds about this. And once the word gets around, you know, word of mouth is very, very strong. So if somebody says, hey, I had a great, you know, great experience with home birthing, they tell their friends. And then maybe that'll break through some of this medical, I don't know what the propaganda. Indoctrination. Yeah, Yeah. indoctrination uh, that's going on out there to, you know, discourage people from going into these hospitals, which are, as our last caller pointed out, somewhat dangerous in a lot of ways uh so if you want to comment on that you're certainly welcome to do so the number is 603-283-6160 and i guess in relation to this also dealing with uh children the san francisco chronicle has an opinion piece by joe matthews and i don't know who this person is i just went and i looked at their previous articles for the uh, the chronicle And the first one they wrote, uh, this person wrote, was in November of 2021, titled, Why the Rest of the United States is Jealous of California. (laughs) Are they sure? (laughs) So That's ridiculous. uh, Yeah, it gives you an idea of how delusional this person is. It's weird. Usually Californians don't talk the way Texans do about how great Texas is. People in California love California. Yeah, they do. People are just that way with the place where they live in general. Uh, But uh, here's what he has to say. Headline uh, opinion. Want true equity? I propose modestly, he says, forcing California parents to swap children. I'm not sure how modest you can be when proposing (laughs) that you uh, take control of someone else's child. Yeah. Yeah. He says, if California is ever going to achieve true equity, the state must require parents to give away their children. Human trafficking. Today's Californians often hold up equity, the idea of a just society completely free from bias, as our greatest value. Governor Gavin Newsom says he makes decisions through a, quote, equity lens, unquote. Institutions from dance ensembles to tech companies have publicly pledged themselves to equity, along with diversity and inclusion. But their promises of newly equitable systems are no match for the power of parents, he says. Fathers and mothers with greater wealth, education, or other resources are more likely to transfer these advantages to their children, compounding privilege over generations. As a result, children of less advantaged parents face an uphill struggle. Social mobility has stalled, and democracy has been corrupted. That can be uh, solved just with cryptocurrency. If the value of your dollar isn't going down, no matter how hard you work, you know then you'll have a greater chance of moving ahead if you're, you know, born into a disenfranchised family. Well, I mean, that certainly wouldn't hurt, um, but there's no doubt that being a you know, born into a poor family is going to make life much more difficult on you, especially because you also have governments out there preventing poor people from actually moving up in the world. Yeah. So- well, that, that's what I meant. I was saying, of course, that is true, but the government's getting in the way. Why would we want the government to have more control? I mean, Bitcoin's just one aspect of sure. that, but 
Yeah, it's I mean, a huge Bi- one. Bitcoin is an important aspect of that, but also the ability to do your, you know, run your own business from your home or start a business without asking government permission first. Rich people have no problem starting businesses because hmm. they can just hire a lawyer, and the lawyer takes them through the, you know, the uh, the mountain of paperwork that they have to fill out. And I'm sure there's even more of it in California than anywhere else. Of course, this guy doesn't care about any of that. I'm sure he supports government regulations of business. Because, well, we can't just allow people to, you know, open up a business without asking permission. That would be un-American from his viewpoint. But so he's not wrong that it's more difficult to be a poor child in wherever, you know, wherever you happen to grow up, whether it's in California or or, halfway across the world. Uh, But is forcing parents to give up their children the solution? Yeah, put them in the hands of people who care less about them. Yeah, that doesn't sound equitable to me. <laughs> it sounds insane. And, I mean, it's just amazing that it just goes to show how insane San Francisco is that the San Francisco Chronicle would even give this guy the space to publish these ideas. But nonetheless, it gives you some clue of you know how crazy these people are. He says, as a result, children of less advantaged parents uh, have an uphill struggle. Social mobility has stalled and democracy has been corrupted. More Californians are giving up on the dream. A recent Public Policy Institute of California poll found declining belief in the notion that you can get ahead through hard work. Well, yeah, because like I said, if you're working harder and harder every year and not moving forward at all because your dollar is buying less and less and less, then I would give up too. Well, plus, uh, don't forget, California also has loads of taxes and regulations to make it so those who are you know, of a poorer or lower middle class uh, setting are going to have a much more difficult time. And, and of course, the point is not to work hard, but to work smarter, right? Like the old saying, you work smarter, not yeah. harder. I mean, you can go out and you can dig a ditch as hard as you want, and it's still not going to be as effective as renting you know, a machine to dig the ditch with. So there's something to be said for... Uh, you know, not doing hard work and trying your best to actually avoid hard work. That, that's not to say you shouldn't have a good work ethic. You should absolutely have a good work ethic. But if you want a job to get done, you need to approach it from a, a different direction. He says, my solution is simple. And while we wait for the legislation to pass, I'm hoping there isn't this legislation. He doesn't specify that it actually exists. Uh, but he says, we can act now. The rich should give their children to the poor. And the poor should give their children to the rich. What? Okay, so how would that solve the problem? I thought the idea was to just give all the kids to the government. That's even weirder. I think he's going to get to that. that. He's saying that while we wait for the government to come up with a program, people should just start swapping children. Is he... Wait, go ahead. So either way, there's going to be poor kids. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like he's trying to make the point that equity is a fever dream. I think he's saying here that he... uh, You're right. There's still going to be poor kids, but I think he's trying to somehow break the string of money, essentially. Yeah, like like the generational wealth. Um, It's crazy. It's so crazy that it almost sounds like he's being a parody. He's serious. And uh, so he says, homeowners might swap their children with their homeless neighbors. Now, I recognize that some naysayers, hopelessly attached to their privilege, will dismiss such a policy as ghastly, even totalitarian. Well, number one, there aren't as many rich people as there are poor people, so I'm not sure how you're going to affect this swap. Does that mean that rich parents now get 
20 kids for every one kid they have? Well, I they're mean, so rich they can afford it. Yeah, how does that work exactly? Uh, but he says, my proposal is quite modest. A fusion of traditional philosophy and today's most common political obsessions. In his Republic, Plato adopted Socrates' sage advice that children, quote, be possessed in common so that no parent will know his own offspring or any child his parents, meaning that no child would know who his parents were. And this definitely sounds pretty Orwellian, pretty like, you know, Brave New Worldian, uh, crazy. I mean, and he's also discounting the fact that parents love their children. Like, when you have a child, there is this, like, new found love that people have that they've never experienced before like that mm-hmm. real true unconditional love that like connection that parents have with their children shouldn't be able to be broken so for him to assume that people are just going to give their kids up and it's going to be all hunky-dory is ridiculous and the person who receives the kid is going to love them as much well that's why he yeah. knows it's going to have to be done with force so of uh, that's why he wants the state to be involved and we'll get more deeper into this man's crazy Again, being published by the San Francisco Chronicle. If you agree with him, though, we'd love to hear you weigh in on this. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us on Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything here the number is 603-283-6160. How would you like to give up your children at, immediately upon giving birth to them into the hands, the loving hands of the state government? And then you never see them again. Sounds like a bad dream. But yet that is the fantasy of one man who is writing for the San Francisco Chronicle. His name is Joe Matthews. I wonder a- if he has kids. Probably not. That's an interesting question. I hope not. He sounds like a wonderful parent. Yeah, well, if he does have kids, he should step up and lead the way, right? Yeah, like he should he be should, first. Yeah. He should go give his child to Nancy Pelosi right now. <sighs> Isn't she the San Francisco? I think she is from there, uh, yeah. yeah. I think you read about that. So if you want to join us, uh, the number is 603-283-6160. And don't forget, you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. We do have our Matrix chat server. It's an open source um, server that allows anybody to join from pretty much anywhere. There's... You, know, you don't have to ask anyone's permission to jump in there and chat with folks. And there's rooms available that we've created. There's rooms that our listeners have created. You can create your own chat room in there. It can be private. It can be public. It can be encrypted or not. It is up to you. Just go to chat.freetalklive.com and you can get the step-by-step instructions as to how to join it. That's chat.freetalklive.com. Gen user in our Twitch chat room says... California is the real virus, (laughs) and he's absolutely right about that, and this is yet another reason why we just cannot get along with these people. We cannot stay in a union with people this This crazy. Yeah, Yeah, this guy is a madman. He wants to take people's kids away, and he's saying that he thinks people should just start doing this right now voluntarily, even though there's no government program that has yet been created, as he is begging for them to do uh he says rich parents should give up their children to poor parents and vice versa he doesn't address what the middle class uh should do but basically (laughs) he just seems to be all about the idea of the state taking over and he's going to dig deeper into that coming up here but he cites plato who wrote republic and i guess in that book or paper or whatever it was 
he says that children should, quote, be possessed in common so that no parent will know his own offspring or any child know his parents, unquote. In order, he says, to defeat nepotism, to prevent the amassing of great fortunes and create citizens loyal not to their sons, but to society. Well, that's why we don't let anyone tell us how to live our lives. Not Plato, just because people say he's um, really smart. You know, he's a philosopher. There's a lot so of smart. really smart people who want to tell you how to live your life. And I'm sure Hitler ideas. was really smart. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to replace parents, Plato offered now familiar ideas from compulsory education to a millennia before Newsom's conception to college agenda, health regimes for pregnant women and children age five and younger. So this guy absolutely thought he knew how best to run your life. And some of his ideas have been implemented and we're worse off for it. He says today, universal orphanhood aligns with a powerful social trend with powerful social trends that point to less interest in family. Californians are Yeah, because that's always been healthy. You know, people who have been abandoned by their parents, you know, always end up very healthy. Californians are slower to marry and are having fewer children. He says our state's birth rate is at an all-time low. Well, one thing that's going to happen if they actually were were to Im- implement a program like this is Everybody who actually cares about their children would leave California. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's already an exodus to places like Arizona and Texas and Texas. Utah and elsewhere. And I'm sure the people in those places don't like that the Californians are, are moving in. At least that's what I've heard. They don't in Texas, at least. Right. But that said, uh, the worst of the worst kind of people that would agree with this particular plan would stay in California. And the people who actually... And I think this would be a large majority of people because there's a real human drive to have children and they seem to really want their own children Yeah, for whatever reason. Generally. I don't personally have that drive. I don't have it at all. Um, but, uh, you know, so I don't I can't relate to it. I don't know why that is. Like to me, it's like, well, why don't you just adopt a kid? There's a bunch of kids that yeah. need to be adopted. And every time I have this conversation with any of um, my friends They'll always tell me one day you might want to have a baby. You shouldn't stay with somebody who got a vasectomy. I did. Oh yeah, yeah, vasectomy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember the right word. Um, Because what if one day you want to have a baby? Well, I can't adopt them. But my my friends always say I want to have my own babies though. Right. They want the baby to look like them, or they want them to feel like it's an extension of them in some way. And I that's something again I don't get. Do you get that, Nikki? Is that a drive for you? Um. Kind of. I think maybe just the pregnancy thing because I'm in midwifery. But before I even, you know, all like from a very young age, I've always wanted to adopt children. Oh, that's different. That's I, unusual. I always thought that there are so many children in this world already that have right. kind of been given up by their families for whatever reason. And why not help a child that's already born? Like, why bring more children onto this earth when there are already some that would love to have a loving family? That's how I feel feel about it as well. Uh, But there's just so many people out there that they just want to have their own child for whatever reason. And I know, I guess it's like human nature, but it seems kind of really selfish. It absolutely does I had a friend, I mean, I had a conversation with a friend literally this week where she said, um, she gets the idea of adoption, but she really would like to have a mini me. That's a very honest statement on yeah. uh, on her part. But that's you know whether regardless of what we think about that, like you said, it seems to be human nature. Yeah. That seems to be the primary. Drive. And I don't want to make it sound like I think having your own baby is bad. It's just I don't know. We're having this conversation. About- Everybody has their preferences, yeah. and the, the reason I bring it up is because 
it's fairly common that that's what people want. And yeah. so there's going to be a large pushback against this particular policy if it were to actually somehow pass uh, in the, the state of California legislature. So, I mean, I think he's going against human nature, and I think it's going to be hard to get some yeah. piece of legislation like that through. But if it were to go through, those people would leave immediately and California would turn into, you know, it'd be even more of an insane place uh, than it already is. But the term he's using here, universal orphanhood, meaning that every child would be forced into sounds orphanhood. Equity. See, that that's sounds why I'm terrible. Saying, that's why I'm saying it sounds like he's parroting the idea of equity because, yeah, that would be, you know, the definition of equity. And it sounds awful. Bring everyone down to the lowest common denominator, basically, is what he's proposing here. But make every child a foster child. And like, what a negative way to see it, too. Like, wouldn't it be like, oh, let's try to help people not be poor and, you know, Give children the resources they need. Nope, everybody's an orphan now. (laughs) Surveys, he says, also suggest many of us are breaking off ties with family members who don't share our politics. But my proposal would be unifying, fitting hand in glove with the most cherished policies of progressives and Trumpians alike. He says the left's introduction of anti-racism and gender identity in schools faces a bitter backlash from parents. Ending parenthood would end the backlash, helping dismantle white supremacy and outdated gender norms. He says my proposal would also give Democrats the opportunity to build a new pillar of the social democracy they seek. Well, isn't he realizing that if his worldview is true, then there would be some like black kids given to white supremacist parents that couldn't be good for them? Yeah, that could very well be the case. Um, and, and what this would exactly look like, he, he terms it here in just a moment. He says foster care for all. I mean, talk does, to kids that have been to foster I know, care. Does he know what happens in foster care? I mean, not, it's rife with abuse. Yes, absolutely. It's and I don't want to not I, I know a lot of very good foster parents. Sure. But I think overall People have a bad experience in foster care. Everyone I've ever talked to. It seems like all the good foster parents get into it because they know about how bad it can be for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, if and some of bad them people are in. may have a good experience after they've had two bad experiences or three yeah. bad experiences because they get moved around, right? Like yeah. you don't stay. Which is traumatic in and of right. itself. Uh, my proposal, he said, would give the social democracy, give Democrats the social democracy they seek, a system for raising children called foster care for all under this system democrats could stop pretending that they'll enact universal preschool or child care which they promised and failed to deliver for a generation over on the right you'll see people posing as parent defenders but republicans are happy to jettison fathers and mothers to pursue their greatest passions like violating migrant rights once you've gone so far as to separate immigrants from their children and put the kids in border concentration camps, it's only a short walk to a wholesale separation of all Americans from their progeny. I don't know anybody who is for that. For separating kids in camps? Yeah. It's an interesting question because they certainly do it. I mean, there yeah. are human beings who are running those camps who are doing it. Are they against it while they're doing it? Justifying that it's, well, it's just well, my job? I, I think it's less of a Republican and Democrat thing. It's a people versus automaton thing because none of the people I know that are Republicans are for that, even my hardcore right family. Well, that's good to know. I, I feel like these people are, they've lost their humanity. You know, if you can do that to some children, take them away from their families, put them in a pen, uh, you know, feed them the bare minimum. I mean, that's just absolutely horrifying. The number here is 603-283-6160, but that's literally what he wants to yeah, do. Yeah, he's with basically defending children. it.
Yeah, he's saying that that's you know just one step away from what he wants. So he's saying that it's very similar, and yeah, that's, that's right. what I'm saying. How's this guy? Coming up. How's he serious? It's free talk live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program here, talking about a very disturbing idea that, I gotta say, it's a new one. I have not heard of this one before. Universal Orphanage, I think was the term that he used in this. It's a San Francisco Chronicle article. Uh, Yeah, Universal Orphanhood, I guess was the term. And also he calls it foster care for all meaning that as soon as you have birth get get birth uh then the state just comes and takes your baby and then they decide what to do with it they horrifying they figure out some quote-unquote equitable system of raising those children taking rich people's parents away giving them to poor people poor people's parent or parents children rather (laughs) and giving them to uh but still kind of taking people's parents away too yeah because, you know, the state is just so equitable. And so fair. So fair, yeah. so kind, so, so loving. Oh, yeah. Let's go to your phone calls and thoughts, though. We'll continue with this lunatic's opinion. Uh, but first, Yuri is on the line calling us from Indiana. Go ahead, Yuri. Yes, hello. Uh, so what I want to say is this, that this idea about this uh, universal orphanage or whatever it's called, it's not new because it's many societies have idea more or less the same, or at least very um, parallel with it. And one of the examples, of course, the later one, it's the Soviet Union, because they had a lot of crazy ideas in 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, of course, I was born in Moscow after the World War II. Mm. But I still remember the fact that I was told at school uh, where this Stalin portrait was hanging just over the teacher's head that this is my father and Lenin is my grandmother and my parents is just supposed to provide and grandparents with uh, food and clothing and uh, I have to report on them. That's Mm. why my uh, grandparents, they talk foreign language in front of me, of course, because if I understand and take it to school, it would be total disaster. So grandmother and grandfather speak French. And with my mother, they spoke German. Well, they've been teaching me English. 
So this one's just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you're bringing up an important point uh, that, you know, in these totalitarian total state societies like Russia and or communist Russia and now today in North Korea, where it's, you know, they're still doing that with the Kims. Uh, where they act as though these people who are running this, the state are gods. They're tantamount to gods, and they should be worshipped and or at treated least your family, yeah. as your, you know, your your grand your great grandfather or whatever. And you should love them above no one else. Everyone else is subservient to them. Uh, and so you're absolutely right about that. But they didn't go as far, did they, Yuri, as to actually, as a policy, take children from every family who who birthed them and then switch switch them around. That's what's new. I think that's the new proposal here. Well, I would say it's also not new, because what's happened in the Soviet Union, like this uh, wave of terror in '37, and uh, like you know the uh, Golodomor, what it's called here on the West. Never heard this word in Russia while I've been living there. Uh, in Ukraine in the 2000, late 20s, and all these kind of things. It's it's happened to be that it became a lot of orphans from all kind of uh, strata of society. And they've been homogenized in uh, orphan homes or whatever it is. And uh, that was total disaster for those people who went through this. Hmm. So, of But weren't those orphans was, being created because they were putting people to death? I mean, wasn't that why? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, not sure. necessarily to death. It mostly was the labor camp. Okay. Blocks, yeah, but he's where they, a lot of them died. I still think he's making a good point because um, people were... For a political reason, getting sent away, and then their kids were just, you know, their kids were being ended taken up by the state, yeah. being taken in by the state, no. and that actually, it, it's not much different than what goes on in the United States with, uh, you know, the government can take your kids away for basically any reason. Yeah. Oh, there was marijuana That's found true. in your bloodstream. We're gonna take your kids away and give them to someone else. Now your kids grow up, you know, basically orphans. Yeah, I'm not trying to minimize what you're saying. You're you're bringing up some really good points here, but even in that circumstance. And there were millions of people who were sent to, I mean, they were sent to labor camps. A lot of them didn't come home, right? Like a lot of them died uh, in those gulags. But uh, they were sent to those camps and yeah, their children were taken from them. But the party adherents, the true loyalists to the party that weren't executed and weren't sent to the labor camps, and certainly they did eat their own on a lot of occasions. There's no doubt about that uh, because they were constantly paranoid about the people in their own party and constantly going after them. Uh, The classic example of this are the the pictures with like you know Lenin or Stalin in them that had other people in them that Blacked were airbrushed out, out over yeah. the years because oh. they kept killing their uh, their own associates. So I mean, but for those that were like on the good side of the dear leader, they still got to have their own children and they still got to raise their own children. So this guy wants to get rid of that, right? Like he wants the politicians themselves to show the example of they're giving up their kids. Everybody has to give up their kids. But your your, your points are great. Anything else you want to share tonight? Well, it's just one little thing to add that those people on the top, it's always do what I say, not what not I, as do. I do. And they never homogenize their children. Comrade Stalin never sent Svetlana to the orphanage. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's you know, that's the way how it works. And yeah, you, and I suspect uh, there would be uh, an out for the top-tier politicians in California as well uh, if this program were to come to uh, come to fruition. It's total reproduction of the same thing again and again and again. And now I am living in Indiana and just watching this panopticum was the great enjoyment. Thank you, Yuri. Great call. Um, really appreciate hearing from you. It's always interesting to get people's perspectives. 
you know, who've been through tyranny and yeah. have lived in even more uh, repressive places. And like he said, he's he's watching it happen all over again, just sitting back. And but he said with great enjoyment. That's it's crazy. sad. <laughs> yeah, but you know, might as well enjoy what you can. Yep. Uh, let's go to Sarah. She's in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live, Sarah. Oh, yes. I just want to mention that. You know, probiotics, um, the good bacteria actually helps out with immunity against uh, flus and, I mean, colds. And And I think it must help against coronavirus. But it's just kind of perplexing how a bacteria would be able to do all that. But I know that it does. Yeah, I mean, our guts are full of good bacteria that help us digest food and, I mean... It's a big part of our immune system is the the good bacteria and taking those probiotics, as you mentioned, is a great way to kind of replenish our gut flora, so to speak. And the uh, yeah, but, this is I mean, something I learned did... about recently, uh-huh. Sarah. Uh, Bonnie was taking an antibiotic and you went ahead and got some probiotics at the same time yeah. to kind of counter that because the antibiotics could kill off the probiotics. Is that the idea? Or kill? Yeah, it could kill or do kill off all mm-hmm. your good bacteria. So you take oh the antibacterial oh really that but the anti that isn't that supposed to help get rid of your flu well so if but, you uh, you're on antibiotics it's not going to be for something like flu that, that's a virus but if you have some kind of a bacterial infection and you go on antibiotics you should also pick up some probiotics so you're replenishing especially as a woman so you're yeah. replenishing replenishing your good bacteria at the same time yeah, so the, it's the same strand as that you would get in, like, a organic yogurt, right? That's what I was going to yeah. ask. Is this similar is. to just eating yogurt? I mean, yeah. Where... So there are, like, millions of different types of bacteria. Mm-hmm. Some are good, some are bad. So there's a whole range of different probiotics that you can get to achieve different things. Like, I there's see. women's probiotics, and then there's the probiotics in yogurt there's yeah so there's all different types that you can get is this something that people i mean nikki you're you're a nurse obviously you know i'm not asking for medical advice but uh, just is this something people would want to consider doing regularly oh absolutely because i mean i I like yogurt but i don't take a probiotic do you know do you need to supplement with this or am i I fine with i do but Mm -hmm. i mean to each their own like i don't think it's necessarily like super vital to health but i know some do recommend mm-hmm. like i know some people are really really into their microbiome you so. take a daily kind of yeah i actually thing? i have a bunch of different kinds i have some mm-hmm. for skin i have some for you know vaginal health i have some for gut health so all probiotics I kind of, yeah and um, they're all different types of bacteria wow. hmm. i only got the one i only got one so i don't know which kind it is uh, it may be more than one in that Uh, Yeah, most likely. Hmm. Uh, So thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. The number is 603-283-6160. Whatever you want to weigh in on, whether it's the government forcing parents to give up their kids across the board. That's the, the proposal here by the San Francisco Chronicle. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live phones are open. If you want to join us, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. And that is where you can go to learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. 
They will tell you the basics, and it's important to understand some of those basics because there is a little bit of a learning curve. There are some new ideas that you really ought to get a, a hold of and understand before you get into cryptocurrency so you can be fully informed. Go to get started at the top of the page over at Bitcoin.com. I mean, you can't really truly be fully informed when it comes to cryptocurrency just because it's such a deep topic. Like, it's always growing. Like, I don't know how to program, so... Technically, I'm not fully informed because I've never read the Bitcoin source code, but you don't need to know all of that to know the un- to understand things like decentralization, distributed uh, blockchains. What do some of these things mean? Get over to get started at Bitcoin.com. Just click get started. You can watch some introductory videos there. You can also you- meet a hacker that you trust. On Bitcoin.com? Oh, no. I was just saying, instead of having to read the source code. Oh, right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're, you're pointing out that because Bitcoin is open source, people who know how to program have already looked at it and mm-hmm. are continuing to look at it. And uh, you can, as long as you can trust them, if you know one of them, for instance, then you know it's good to go. Uh, head over to Bitcoin.com and don't forget their news site at news.bitcoin.com as well. Let's go to your calls and thoughts. Uh, we can, we're going to get back into this lunatic at the San Francisco Chronicle with this editorial piece, I guess opinion piece, uh, where he is literally advocating for universal orphanhood, a.k.a. foster care for all, meaning forcing parents to give up their children to the state so the state can decide how to equitably so-called distribute them. But you can bring up whatever you want. So Sam's on the line in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live. Sam. Yeah, I was just thinking about, like, you guys having the, like, con- uh, the thing tomorrow about the NH independence bill. Yeah. And it was making me think of, so like your case is the crypto six, that's federal. Uh, that's a federal case, right? That's correct. Yeah. The crypto six was when the federal government gang raided our home and studio and the homes of several of our co-hosts and friends all on the same morning in, uh, March of last year. Yeah. So I was thinking if say, like you were saying that it takes until, 2023 for that case to go through and you guys succeed in 2022 would that mean those like in situations like that wouldn't exist anymore if you succeeded well that's an interesting be able to keep happening to other people which i would love to get the fbi out of new hampshire but i don't know if that means that they would just free ian if somehow he went to jail yeah, I suspect that they're going to want their their blood from the people that they've captured. I mean, whether it's me or somebody that's a that's actually con- uh, been accused of a real crime with real victims, uh, like the federal government gang is probably want, going to want to continue their prosecution. And I suspect that any kind of negotiations with the state of New Hampshire to exit the state of New Hampshire would still involve wrapping up whatever current prosecutions exist. So I have I'm under no you know, but under no belief that if there's some miracle and the state of the people of the of New Hampshire actually vote to secede peacefully from the United States, that that will halt uh, all federal prosecutions in the District of New Hampshire federal court. I'm under no sort of delusions about that. I just wondered how you think that would work. I think they will continue to prosecute, um, even if they ended up having to, you know, even if they had to close their courts. And I think they should. I think the FBI and the DEA and all these, you know, prosecutors should leave New Hampshire and the New Hampshire district should be gone because New Hampshire will not be a state anymore. 
then they, I'm sure, will just you know change of jurisdiction or change of venue, and they'll prosecute us in Massachusetts or yep. in you know Vermont or whatever. Which honestly, I would much rather be prosecuted in New Hampshire because we're going to have a better chance to have a good jury. I think here, even though juries tend to be bad overall, I'd rather have New Hampshire people on a jury than the surrounding states. But if that's sacrifice so that has to be made, then up. it has to be made. Go ahead. So it actually could screw up federal cases is what it sounds like you're saying. If Then they wouldn't be able to pick New Hampshire juries. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be the case. I mean, if they're actually going after murderers and rapists, then I don't think a New Hampshire jury is, is going to really matter because if somebody's actually a murderer or something, then they probably should be being you know convicted. Yeah. Um, but in cases like ours where people that understand the federal government is evil um you know maybe we have a better chance here in new hampshire that said our case is is slated for november 1st which is actually before the election so um you know presumably our case will be if if it's not postponed again which it might be who knows and that's 2022 this year okay mm-hmm. so um you know almost two years after the actual raid had occurred um so it's certainly possible that our case will be done and over with by the time the the vote occurs um, but regardless, it's you know they're going to keep pushing forward with their prosecutions because they are violent criminal gang, and that's what they want to do. I don't think we need to get out of the union in order to save Ian from going to jail. I just don't think he's going to go to jail. So yeah, I mean they they may end up dropping the charges once they realize that we're gonna we're gonna fight these things, and uh, we'll see. I mean we've got a we got a long way to go on that. But Sam, anything else you want to share? Uh, I just hadn't honestly thought of maybe being a hard enough target might get you out of this whole pickle. Yeah, well, I mean, being a hard target will make the prosecution more difficult. I mean, if if you're just going to roll over and take the first plea deal that they offer, then it's going to be easy for them. Um, but if they know that you, you're going to fight this and that you intend to go to trial, uh, then that makes their life a little bit more difficult. They're not used to actually having to prosecute cases. They're used to being able to just throw charges at somebody and have them take a plea deal. And so far... Uh, no one has done that. Although I wouldn't blame them if they did. Uh, if you know, if, if for instance, nobody was offered a, a minor conviction so he could walk away from this and not have to actually testify against anyone else, I suspect he would take it. And given he's already a felon, it wouldn't make a difference, you know, in yeah. in his particular case. Uh, thanks, Sam, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's go to Joe. He's in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Joe. And by the way, for those hey. who want to learn more about Crypto Six, just go to thecrypto6.com. Go ahead, Joe. Hi, Ian. Hi, uh, Bonnie, and hi, uh, hey. Nikki. Hey, Joe. Go ahead. Uh, uh, the probiotics, uh, I think Nikki had it right on the head when she takes. She said take different probiotics. What I do is I take a multi-strain probiotic, and it's got 16 billion healthy bacteria, and that's the key thing for the good health in the gut. Hmm. Also, I take something called glucoman and fiber. Because when I was in the uh, physical rehab for nine months, 17 days, they dropped a uh, machine on my foot, cut it open and stuff like that. And uh, I had to go on an IV for two months, and it had to be changed four times a day. (laughs) So my gut fiber was, you know, my gut uh, bacteria was destroyed. So right now I'm in the process of repairing that. And then if you want to uh, enhance your immune system, when I have my family on, it's uh, vitamin D3, zinc, selenium, elderberry, and vitamin C. And then you have a uh, good, really good uh, 
multivitamin, nothing like like one day or something, dump on or you dump your bile sewer. And that's how you uh, basically start with your immune system. Joe, thanks for the drink. call. Thanks for sharing your experience here tonight. Now, Nikki, what are your thoughts on Yeah, uh, everything you said is pretty accurate. spot on. Good idea. All right. Thank you, Joe. Definitely appreciate it. There's more coming up here in moments. The number is 603-283-6160. And you can join us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live phones are open for you if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. We're going to get back into the story about foster care for all, according to someone writing over at the San Francisco Chronicle in their opinion pages saying that there needs to be universal orphanhood where the state forces parents to give up their children to the control, the total control of the state. You don't get to have your kids back after you have them. You'll be used only as a womb, essentially, for the state. Oh, God. Uh, So we can continue with that discussion here. But first, we're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. And don't forget, you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com, where we have feeds. For those of you that would like to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode of Free Talk Live, we also have our daily digests as part of our podcast feed. And we have separate feeds. So if you just want the daily digests as its own separate feed, you can do that. If you just want the full shows as their own separate feed, those are also available. We've got the whole list of them over at feeds.freetalklive.com. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. Let's talk to Phil in California. Phil, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi, um, I just wanted to talk about my experiences. Uh, I've kind of been all over the country in the past month. Um, start off, I, I went on a road trip from Nebraska to Orlando, Florida to go to a football game. Wow. Um, and, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like, like this whole, like, I keep hearing, oh, oh, it's crazy, everyone's, like, demanding masks and, and uh, they bug you to go in the store. I, not a single place. Even here, where I'm at in California, I'm I'm near Sacramento, just north of Sacramento, in Roseville. No one bugs me here. Huh. Like I, I haven't worn a mask. I go to the gym. Um, everyone's pretty normal. I mean, people wear masks, but it's not. It's probably about I, where I'm at right now in California. It's probably about fifty-fifty. Is there a mandate and, in uh, place? 
There 100% is. Every store says you cannot come in here without a mask. I think but, people are um, over it. But what, wait, wait, what I mean is, is there a state mandate? Because it's different when a store there says is. a thing. Is there? there okay. Is. I, yep, I and, think uh, that's... Well, oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say that I think that seems to be most people's experience. And I think it's mainly like the cities where people, where the stores are really enforcing stuff like hmm. that. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm in the Sacramento area, so I'm not in a rural part of California. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's um, the state capital. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, the, and the thing is, uh, what I, but one thing that we have here, I know that this actually holds weight. The sheriff came out and said they're not going to enforce it. Hmm. So okay. I don't know if that's a good strategy or whatever, but... I think people just um, don't want to fight about it anymore. I went on a road trip from Utah to Alabama earlier this year, and my family, you know, they were ready to put on a mask everywhere we stopped, and I was like, just mm. don't. Just don't wear a mask and walk in and see what happens. Like, because the the sign on the door would say you mm. must wear a mask, and everywhere, I never put on a mask the whole time. I mean, except when I flew back on the airplane, yep. because if you, you just on. if you just don't wear a mask and walk in confidently, people don't feel like fighting you over it. They just want to do their jobs because they're not, you know, paid employees of the state who, um, it's not their job to mandate people wear some crap on their face, so... I think most people are over it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm going to test it out. I'm actually going to be in Boston next week. Um, Good going luck. To visit. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how it is because I'm, I'm hearing that there are businesses that aren't asking anything there. They're not asking for our... Don't they have a mandate now for vaccinations in Boston? Didn't they just pass they, that? They do. Mm-hmm. Um, some they places do. are enforcing it. Some places aren't. Have you, have you been there? How do you know? Um, I have a lot of friends in Boston, Mm -hmm. so, and I have clients that live, I actually, that's part of my service area as a Mm. student midwife. So some of our clients live right outside of Boston and she's a huge anti-vaxxer and she was freaking out. So I I told her to move to New Hampshire. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, maybe you should sell your house. (laughs) Seller's market, you know. Phil, uh, let us know how it goes out there in Boston. Feel free to give us a call from there. Anything else you want to share tonight? Uh, no, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I'm probably I'm gonna see what's up in New Hampshire because I am from New Hampshire. I've called you guys a few times. Oh wow! I was in Utah. I was in Utah a couple of years ago during the height of everything, and I gave you guys an update from there. Okay, cool. Well, I don't right know on. if you remember. Yeah. So, she go, uh, yep. Uh, should go to the calendar up? and see if there's any uh, Liberty Meetup events you're interested in. Yeah, the Free State Project has a pretty good calendar. Uh, you can go to. Uh, calendar.shiresociety.com that'll take you to the Free State Project uh, their yep. their calendar and then there's just a ton of stuff in southern New Hampshire so while you're in Boston it's uh, it's a pretty short trip up the road to come and see some people who care about freedom yeah my mom lives in Nashua so I'll be up there and uh, I, I've, I, I played poker with some of the guys up in Dover so nice very uh, cool yay Phil, thanks for the call tonight, man. Uh, good luck on your travels, and I appreciate hearing from you. Thanks for the update. Yeah, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I'd be really interested to see what his experience is in, in Boston. Boston. I'm hearing like all different things from people. So mm-hmm. I know in a homeschooling Massachusetts group that I'm in, uh, all the moms were freaking out because... This was like the last week to go to the Museum of Science before oh they're requiring God. vaccination and masks and stuff. So. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember going to science museums. Those were so much fun as a kid. They always have, like, interactive displays. And now you got to be an obedient surf.
I know yeah. there was um, a story about how the Holocaust Museum somewhere was requiring yep. vaccine Illinois. passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We covered like, that oh, one. How ironic. So back to the story here from California, San Francisco Chronicle, a uh, lunatic named Joe Matthews actually advocating for what he's describing as foster care for all or universal orphanhood, meaning that all parents would have their children taken from them. And then the state would decide what to do. And he's justifying this, and he's saying that he thinks that people on the left and on the right could easily be brought on board with uh, supporting this. He gives a couple examples, and then he gets to what he says are the pro-lifers. He says the universal, the idea of universal orphanhood dovetails nicely with a conservative campaign to end Roe versus Wade and all abortion rights. In fact, a suggestion from Justice Amy Coney Barrett in a recent Supreme Court hearing on a case that could overturn Roe inspired me to write this column. He says she posited that abortion rights are no longer necessary because all 50 states now have safe haven laws that allow women to turn their babies over to a fire or police department after birth. He says, my proposal would merely make mandatory such handovers of babies to the state. What about people who don't want to give birth? <laughs> well, I don't think that they're talking about forced insemination, but that could very no, well be a next step. people who got pregnant and then don't want to give birth and want to have an abortion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a valid point. Uh, so he says, my proposal would merely make it mandatory for all births. He says, perhaps such coercion sounds dystopian. But just imagine the solidarity that universal orphanhood would create. Yes, it would make every child hate life. Equally. Right. It would make them all go through the foster system, which would just suck and be awful and likely, you know, subject them to abuse. He goes on. So he says, wouldn't children raised in one system find it easier to collaborate on climate change and other global problems? Probably not. Kids who are all raised in the same system of public school don't end up just liking each other, getting along and wanting to work towards public school. Usually they say this place sucks. And they fight each other. Yeah. They form cliques and they hate each other. You know what, guys? That must just be their parents fault. No, it's the system. If they didn't have any parents, it would be fine. So insane. I mean, has this guy guy ever been to government school? If this guy wants to know exactly how this would turn out, he needs to read Anthem by Ayn Rand. Now, he says, I don't expect universal support for universal orphanhood. A few contrarians lost in the empty chasm between American extremes. You don't want to give your kids away to the state. You're just a contrarian. Might object to this rational proposal, he says, on emotional grounds. They might argue that pursuing your own conception of family is fundamental to freedom or that our differences and biases for all the damage they can do also give human life much of its meaning. Hmm. Now I am wondering if he's got I his tongue you, in his, this in his is cheek tongue on in this. Cheek. This is a parody. If not, this man is seriously actually crazy. But There's a little bit more here. We'll share it with you coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Is this guy for real? It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here, and you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Don't forget, join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. Again, open phones at 603-283-6160. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want here. Your thoughts on universal orphanhood. The editorial piece, or rather uh, opinion piece, posted over at the San Francisco Chronicle by Joe Matthews. 
which sounded really serious right up until the last paragraph. And Bonnie, you had predicted that this was actually tongue-in-cheek, that this guy was being uh, sarcastic or heavily, like, parodying this idea. I might still be wrong. He might just be this crazy. And... I, I do wonder if the San Francisco Chronicle published this because they thought he was being serious. <laughs> Which and, is maybe even scarier. That would yeah. be really funny, though. Knowing that, you know, a lot of people are just going to read the first ter- uh, paragraph or the first uh, the, the maybe title. Maybe just the headline, yeah. Just the headline. And at the very end, after paragraphs, I mean, a full-length opinion piece advocating that the state should take everyone's children from them and force them all into the foster care system basically jumble them all up and send them back to you know different parents at the state's discretion he literally said jumble them all up until then just rich people should give their kids to the poor poor people to the rich he said that people should do that prior to the state voluntarily yeah implementing a, a program and he sounded very, very serious about it until this very last moment here where I'm just going to repeat the, this last paragraph. He says, I don't expect universal support for universal orphanhood. A few contrarians lost in the empty chasm between American extremes might object to this rational proposal on emotional grounds. They might argue that pursuing your own conception of family is fundamental to freedom. Of course, we all know that if you care about freedom, you shouldn't live in California to begin with. Uh, but secondly, he says, but uh, or that our differences and biases for all the damage that they can do also give human life much of its meaning. And of course, we know that you're not going to get away from differences and biases simply by reorganizing by force whose children belong to whom. I mean, that's you're still going to be putting kids under someone's care. It's not going to be a robot that's that's raising these kids. So someone is going to be taking care of these kids, and they will then inculcate them with their biases and their you know beliefs. That's just to be expected. But he goes on. Finally, he wraps up by saying, They may also suggest that people don't really want to start or finish at the same point in life. They may even say that what we really desire is what the title of the title orphan of the musical Annie insisted upon, quote, I didn't want to be just another orphan, Mr. Warbucks. I wanted to believe I was special, unquote. He says, but you shouldn't pay those critics any mind just because they can't see, or rather because they just can't see how relentless pursuit of equity might birth a brave new world. See, it's a joke. That's awesome. (laughs) But is this too subtle of a joke, Bonnie, for a lot of people who are reading it? I don't I don't know if a lot of people will get it, but I love the, the way that this was written because he starts off and you really believe that he's serious. I really believed it. Just taking, I did, yeah. Taking, um, the, I mean, it's California. Know, it's in a California newspaper. This, this insane, Especially San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's taking the idea of equity to its logical conclusions. Like, people think, oh, equity is just great. Every, I mean, you know, equality for all is just great. Everybody should be equal. But, you know... If you take that to its logical conclusions, you get psycho uh, ideas like what this guy is proposing. Right, which would essentially mean everybody's equally poor. And Everybody he, is yeah. forced into this crap can system. He kind of played this character that just uh, was pretending to completely believe that what he was saying wasn't crazy in the name of equality. That's pretty funny. And I feel like that's kind of how communism plays out because people are like, oh, equality, like it's going to be great. We're all going to be on like level playing field. That's what they say. That's what Sarah says. Yeah. But the easiest way to do that is 
not everybody's rich and prosperous. Right. It's going to be everybody's poor and starving. And that's mm-hmm. how it always happens. And it's just a cycle that keeps on going. So I don't know why people would think it would be different if it happened in the United States. Yeah. And, and the same thing's been happening in California as far as rich people leaving, right? Like yeah, Elon Musk is getting Tesla out of yeah. there. And there's other examples. He's going to of- bring it to Brownsville, Texas, which is so random. It's like the That's very the one on the border, right? Bottom, like the tip of Texas that you see it on mm-hmm. the map, is Brownsville. Isn't it right across the border from? Um, I don't know Mexico? what's on the other side, but yeah, Mexico. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not on the ocean. It's on the it's on the border. Um, and that's probably because it's convenient to deliver parts, would be my guess, if they're mm. going to have things manufactured like parts in Mexico and then assembled uh, in the United States or something like that. That could just be convenience factor. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the people who are the wealthy producers in California, the worse things get there, the more they're going to just say, all right, we're packing up. I mean, to to move an entire mega corporation or a manufacturing facility is no cheap task, right? Like you've got to, to move an entire like car manufacturing facility, if that's what he's moving, I'm not really sure exactly what it is, but whatever it is he's moving, is it's not going to be cheap. You know, you've got to move all those employees and some of them aren't going to come with you. And then, you know, you've got to move the actual equipment over and some of it's probably very custom equipment. So it's probably got to be moved delicately. I mean, it's a big undertaking to to have some companies just up, uproot themselves and go somewhere else is a real it's a real hit. That's what they'll uh, to do those economies because um place that they were originally in like california is just getting too in control of businesses correct it's just that bad i have a feeling that california is going to be looking pretty bleak and very destitute very soon as these big wealthy companies are moving out i mean even just look at la the majority of la is like homeless people in tents like skid row i mean it's not a good place to live already have you seen the train tracks out there the stories about the train robberies where there's just boxes of Amazon packages and TVs and all this stuff has been thrown off of these uh, these trains as they've been slowing down to go through certain areas. Just these crazy people are coming on, just boarding the trains, snapping locks off of uh, shipping containers, and literally just throwing thousands of dollars of inventory to their uh, to their friends who are waiting yeah. down below. It's insane. Uh, and so now the Union Pacific Railroad is talking about avoiding Los Angeles entirely, yeah. moving their moving their operations somewhere else. I mean, there's only so many different rails that you can go to, but they're saying we're done here. I mean, we, we, it's not even worth hiring the security. They don't want to have to shoot people off their trains. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awful. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. California is a pretty bleak looking place. Uh, but-, but the Californian uh, Libertarian Party members just stay there and... Tell people to become libertarians and it'll be fine. Yeah, that'll totally work out super, super well. Yeah, I don't understand that mentality. Um, but it, it, I think it just has to do with the object at rest stays at rest thing. You know, they don't, it's hard to get somebody to uproot their life and yeah. move somewhere. I would Even- divorce my wife if my wife was the reason that I had, I couldn't leave. Oh, she doesn't get liberty. Well, okay. Well, she doesn't get me. I'm out. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a tough call. I mean, in that case, it's easy to say that, Bonnie, but those people, you know, they probably have some sort of a bond. They probably love each other. Right. And so that would be really frustrating, though, to have someone who, well, oh, but my job's here. Well, look, you can get a job anywhere. Hmm. I couldn't imagine being in a relationship with somebody who didn't get liberty. Yeah. I mean, you don't. Yeah. I like get being a freedom. slave. You like being a slave? I, I don't get that at all. Well, like, but here's the thing there's people who get liberty, but they still want to stay in California. Yeah. 
and they like the weather or yeah. they have a job that they really like or their mom lives there or I whatever. can't imagine thinking that it's not going to get worse. Like That's totally delusional San to think An- that California is going to get more free. San Antonio closed the gay bars and I was out. And <laughs> the last <laughs> time awesome. the last time that I was there, a lot of stuff is open, but I can't imagine just uh, staying there thinking, oh, this will that would never happen again. Mm-hmm. It happened uh, once. Why wouldn't it happen? Why wouldn't again? it happen again? They, it happened so easily. There mm-hmm. was no fight. Everybody was just like, we're doing okay. this. Do it. We'll do it. We're told. I had like one friend who I kind of thought was crazy at the time because he was like, no, this is ridiculous. I'm going swimming and like tearing down uh, caution tape and stuff nice. like that. That's just awesome. Doing it. And I was like, yeah, he's crazy. True activism. Mm-hmm. There was uh, the... There's a lady running for the chairperson of the Libertarian Party nationally who debated Jeremy Kaufman, who's a Free State Project uh, board member at the last Porcupine Freedom Festival. It was a really interesting discussion because she was advocating for the Libertarian Party as the solution to bringing liberty to uh, you know, the United States. And uh, Jeremy, of course, was advocating for the Free State Project, the migration of freedom lovers to one geographic area. And in my opinion, uh, Kaufman cleaned uh, this lady's clock on this particular debate. I agree. I, I listened to it with yeah, it. Yeah, really, it was really interesting. And this woman is one of these California people who lives in L.A. and is planning to stay in L.A., and one of the California people called into this show a few months ago and started talking about how they're going to sue the city of Los Angeles and all they need is to raise $200,000 and then they're going to be able to, you know, what? Put the, they're going to be able to put the government in their place. And it's How like, delusional. How could you possibly believe that? How could you believe that you're going to be able to, what, change Los Angeles? With $200,000, those government goons are being paid off with a lot right. more than that. With your little gang of libertarians that, you know, what are there, maybe 20 libertarians in Los Angeles or something like that? It's ridiculous. But there's more coming up. You can share your thoughts with us. Hour number three is on the way. This is Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there. ForkFest.Party. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour here. The phones are open if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And, of course, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up, a state representative is lashing out against the idea of independence. And we've got his opinion piece on the way as we are on the eve right now of tomorrow's very historic hearing where 
for the first time in New Hampshire history that I'm aware of since the United St- or since New Hampshire joined uh, the United States. It's the first time we're going to have the opportunity to officially speak to state representatives about the idea of being able to vote on independence. Uh, with you in the studio tonight, by the way, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. But let's go first to your phone calls and thoughts. Richard is on the line in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Richard. Yes, it was announced this morning that last year the state of New Mexico had over 400 highway fatalities. And I am wondering, they didn't mention the uh, percentage of these over 400 fatalities represents what percent of our state these fatalities represent because New Mexico only has close to 3 million people. And to me, over 400 fatalities seems like a pretty high rate compared to the population. And it's also announced that uh, New Mexico ranks about 28th in the country for having bad roads. And I wonder if the... uh, President Biden's infrastructure bill and everything will help our road situation. I wouldn't get my hopes up. I mean, the federal government and state governments have been pouring billions of dollars into roads, and everybody always thinks their roads are the worst. Uh, I mean, the roads around here are absolute garbage. New Mexico does have a... You know, a strong point that theirs are pretty bad, though. You've driven through there, so you, yeah, several you have an times. opinion about that. Uh, so and two, their drivers are dumb. By the way, 2.097 million, according to the internet here, Richard. So not quite 3 million people, about two, just over 2 million people there in New Mexico. and uh, But still, 400 is a very, very small percentage of that. I mean, we're talking about a fraction of, uh, fraction of, a, of a percent, so... I, I, by the way, that's that's by no means is that an overwhelming number of uh, of traffic fatalities. Uh, but pouring more money into that situation isn't going to make things through better. the government. It's not going to make things better. It would probably be great if there was an, a free market solution that could you know you could hire a company to you know fix the roads. But I just really doubt that Joe Biden is going to help all the way from Washington D.C. is going to help New Mexico get great roads. It's all going to be all better now because he poured a trillion dollars into a a bill that the name implies that it's for infrastructure but also includes lots of other crap in it sure and the majority of it has nothing to do with infrastructure like you touched upon yeah it's just political uh what do they call it log rolling back scratching everybody threw their favorite program in there basically richard and look even if you were to fix up the roads it's not going to stop people from acting like idiots that's the big problem with with traffic fatalities is people drinking and driving, people uh, texting on their cell phones and driving, and just not paying attention in general. I don't know what's going on in New Mexico, but when I lived in Texas, if I saw a New Mexico license, I was getting away from that car. <laughs> That's how I feel about Connecticut drivers. <laughs> wow. Richard, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. Uh, do you want to get into the secession story, Bonnie, or was there something else that we had to talk about? I feel like there might have been another story that you had. I've got this. Oh no, I have the Britain thing. But if you want to talk about the Britain thing, um, England is just getting rid of all mandates. Oh yeah, that's definitely worth a mention uh, here tonight. And 
I have that story as well from the BBC that they're leaving their what they call Plan B and moving to Plan A. And basically, Plan A sounds like the lack of mandates. Don't hmm. you usually start with Plan A? I guess, <laughs> yeah, plan A would have been the more uh, freedom-oriented uh, stuff. And I guess that's good. I didn't hear that part. I, I thought they were just, like, getting rid of the mandates. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. Uh, plan B measures would go to plan A, which means that mandatory COVID passports for entering nightclubs and large events will go away. Nice. Uh, although organizations could still choose to use the COVID pass if they want. Hmm. People would no longer be advised to work from home and should discuss returning to their offices with their employers. Face masks will no longer be mandated, though people are still advised to wear coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces. That'll be nice to see. Sorry, it will be nice to see if the COVID vaccine pass stays around in England when When it's voluntary. Yeah, when businesses have the choice. And finally, from Thursday, secondary school pupils will no longer have to wear face masks in classrooms and government guidance on their use in communal areas would be removed, quote unquote, shortly. So there's a summary of what's going on. I got to say, I'm surprised. Me too. Uh, Great Britain has throughout this last two years been one of the more repressive uh, sounding places with very high levels of restriction. Lots of videos of people like getting hurt by the police uh, for not wearing masks on a train or whatever. Not as bad as uh, as Australia. Australia, But yeah, there's definitely been some coming from uh, from the UK and then all of a sudden to just take it all away in the middle of wintertime. I mean, I didn't see that one coming. Well, and this is also like a federal thing for them, right? So, I think so, yeah. So I'm wondering if it, on a local level, if the local governments can still kind of mm, like mandate town, stuff. Town yeah, governments. the town governments. That's an excellent question. If you want to weigh in here, you're welcome to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. Uh, the current regulations around self-isolation are expected to expire on the 24th of March. And the uh, prime minister there, Johnson, said he expected to not renew them then and that uh, the date could be brought forward if the data so-called allows it. So I don't know if there's going to be different dates for all of this or if it's just going to be the 24th across the board uh, for everything. But hopefully it'll uh, it'll move in that direction and they won't go back towards more lockdowns. But then again, of course, as we know... If you've locked people down once and they've obeyed, then you know that you can lock them down for any reason at all. So there is that. Now, uh, let's get into the local story here that is not just local, but also of international relevance. And that is that New Hampshire is going to be looking at a piece of legislation tomorrow that is, if passed by the State House and the State Senate, would go on the ballot as a question in November of 2022. And the people of New Hampshire would then have the opportunity to vote, and it would require uh, two-thirds of them to vote for it in order to pass, but to vote to peacefully exit the United States and declare independence and be a sovereign uh, nation at that point. And the fact that the status quo is lashing out against this is a good sign. The fact that mainstream media is running hit piece articles uh, against us is a good sign rather than just ignoring this and letting it quietly you know go into the night uh, they are doing you know, their best to get people to think it's a big bad issue yeah they're, well, it, they're trying to rile people up it shows that they're worried 
Yeah, it does. And what they're ultimately doing, and I'm grateful for them, and in fact, I wish there was more coverage. There really, honestly, in my opinion, hasn't been enough. The Keen Sentinels covered it a couple of times. This story is an opinion piece from nhjournal.com, which, yeah, it's a website. Maybe it has a readership. Maybe it doesn't. I know Alu Axelman from Liberty Block says his website's got way more viewers than this one. So I saw that. So who knows how many people actually read this. But it was getting passed around on social media today. Uh, so I'm sure it will uh, will cross some people's desks. There was another story that went into the Concord Monitor and a few other places about what New Hampshire would be like uh, if it secedes. And this one is written by a state representative, Brody Deshays, who we've actually read uh, something he wrote about this previously because he wrote a letter in response to Alu Axelman, who is not only the, uh, the writer over at LibertyBlock.com, but he's also the president of the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence. And so he's a, he's a well-educated guy when it comes to the ideas of independence. And Brody Deshays had written him an email after Alu had, wrote, uh, had written to all of the state reps that will be hearing the bill tomorrow. And Brody's on that panel. So now he wrote himself a piece for NH Journal. And it's called, Can New Hampshire Secede? And we will get into his reasons, of course, why he believes it cannot. Of course, that's that's all he's all about. He wants to stay in the union. He's a supporter of the empire, and I suspect that's because he wants to be part of it. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. The phones are open. If you want to join us here, you can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. It doesn't have to be about New Hampshire independence, which is what we're going to cover here in a moment with a state representative who is very rapidly against independence, and he's also one of the younger-looking ones, named Brody Deshays. He's written an opinion piece published over at nhjournal.com. We'll share that with you in just a moment. Uh, And if uh, you want to help out some people who are in serious need of assistance, people who are in what's considered extreme poverty. We're not talking about American poverty. We're talking about, like, Kenya, Bamet and Khalifi counties, people who have to walk miles to just get water that they can drink uh, on a daily basis. So if you want to help some people out that really need help, Give Directly can do that. They are the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty. They locate recipients who are in need, and they use mobile money to send them cash with no strings attached. In the last decade, Give Directly has given, uh, given over $400 million to over a million people. And research shows that giving cash to people living in poverty can help drive a range of important positive changes in their lives, like employment, nutrition, health, and education. Plus, cash allows people to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and people thousands of miles away choosing for them. So if that's what you prefer, we want to help. We're going to match your donations up to $30,000 in total. So if you want to help some people out, go over to give.freetalklive.com. That'll take you over to the Give Directly website. That's give.freetalklive.com. It is Ian, Bonnie, and Nikki in the studio here tonight. As tomorrow, we are going to uh, Concord. Uh, Nikki, are you going on this uh, Concord tomorrow afternoon? I am. I'm actually going to be there early for the midwifery bill. That's right. Uh, if we get a chance, we can talk about that, too, because I know that that's important uh, to you as well. But there's always interesting hearings happening in Concord. Uh, it, you know, We actually went up there last week. Bonnie it was Bonnie's first time going to uh, the State House. Have you been before, Nikki? Will this be I your first? I don't think so. Is it? 
no, I think I actually have been before for okay. something else. But so uh, it's a fairly accessible group of state representatives. You can easily speak to pretty much anybody that you want to, uh, as long as they're not in the middle of the meeting at the time. Uh, you can speak publicly in front of the meetings, speak to them before or after the meetings. Uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, situation, and one of the reasons why New Hampshire was chosen as the, the destination for the Free State Project because the political system here is so easily accessible. With 400 state representatives, each state rep, quote-unquote, represents about 3,000 or 30, somewhere between 3,000 and 3,500 people. And so the representative districts are very, very small. It's easy to reach these people. There's a good chance you're going to run into them at the grocery store uh, at some point during their term. And it, just that accessibility makes a big difference when it comes to the fact that these aren't professionals. They are people who have other jobs they have other yeah. things that they do in their lives most of them i mean some of them are retired but you know this guy's deshays is i mean he can't be o- older than 30 no i, I think he was really young yeah, like 21 25 or something. or something like that anyway he's definitely one of the younger state reps unfortunately he's also one of the the more incorrect uh state reps on this particular issue but he's got something to say about it, and that is New Hampshire independence. Can New Hampshire secede? In his story over at NHJournal.com, he says, In this upcoming legislative session, meaning specifically tomorrow, uh, the state legislature, I guess I should say that it's going to be a committee that votes probably tomorrow, but the full legislature, the full New Hampshire uh, state reps, all 400 of them, will vote on this at some point. He says, we'll vote on articles of secession. And he's already wrong. Yeah, that's what I said when you read it out loud to me. Um, Yeah, they're not voting on articles of secession. No, they're voting on whether or not the people should vote. That's what they're voting on. They're voting on whether or not to put something on the ballot so the average person can then have an official say on this. That's what they're voting on. It's not the state reps deciding to secede. That's not this at all. They'll get to vote if it goes on the ballot. Yeah, they can vote with the rest of us at that point. Uh, but people like him, whether he understands that he's wrong about this or not, he believes that he is the first line of defense to defend the empire and to keep the United States federal government in control. He's going to vote against this particular bill. And here are his justifications. He says CACR 32, which is the title and you know the number of the bill, purports to make New Hampshire a, quote, sovereign nation. He says, I'm amazed any lawmaker should have to pen a letter on this issue. Secession would be logistically impossible. About one-third of New Hampshire's revenue is from the federal government. Okay, stop right there because he is ignoring, purposefully, has to be purposefully ignoring. Could he be this ignorant? I don't think somebody could be this ignorant. The fact that New Hampshire gives a lot of money to the federal government and the federal government gives some back. Yeah, that's the part he's ignoring. We're a donor state. Yeah. We're like it's not just like we are in need every year and we need the federal government to give us money. We have to give it to them. And they give us part of that back. Right. After they cut some off the top to pay their bureaucrats with. Kind of like they do with everybody else with taxes. Exactly. They, they tax you to death and then they're oh so kind to give a little bit back at tax season. Mm. Yeah, and how could he as a soap as a supposed Republican not be aware of this? Well, for one thing, I just looked it up and he just turned 23 years old. I think he just wants to be part of the empire. He wants to be the establishment. He'll just say whatever, whoever wrote this for him probably wants him to say because he... Do you think this was ghostwritten? I don't know. It's not like I just think he's dumb because he's like, you know, barely younger than me. I'm just saying that he has opinions here that sound like some old Republican man wrote it. 
I mean, I get it. He's a Republican, but you really, you you want the- it was all Republicans who sponsored this bill, from what I can tell. I don't know. He wants everything to go on as it's going on for like into, per, you know, perpetually. Mm-hmm. I suspect he's someone who uh, has eyes on higher positions. He probably wants yep. to be a U.S. senator or president or something like that. Someday. Probably because I feel like that's why people get into politics really young mm-hmm. because they've got their eyes on the prize. Want to move up the chain? Yep. He's just being uh, purposefully not not even purposefully ignorant, but misleading to yeah. his supposed constituents. Like if he doesn't know that what I just said is true. Uh, then he isn't qualified to be <laughs> to hold office, holding right? office. And if he knows that that's true and is just misleading people by saying, oh, we get one third of our income from the federal government, then, you know, that's kind of evil. He says further economic success is tied to free trade and travel within the union. And about 15 percent of Granite Staters work out of state. Has what, he, what percent? He says 15 percent of Granite Staters work out of state. Maybe. And they would have to stop because people who work in other or live in other countries also don't commute to other countries to, to work. Like there are people who actually cross the, the North Korean border to go to work. Yeah. Okay. So I don't. Whoa! I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a there's a specific like industrial park basically, and I believe it's located in North Korea. Uh, I'll have to refresh myself on this. It's it's located on uh, whichever side. Is the DMZ? I don't know if it's in the DMZ or what, but there's actually people that cross the North Korean border to go to work mm. every single day. That's so, I'm sure like a hassle. That's yeah. an extreme exa- example, but that's pretty funny. But I'm sure there are people, you know, in one small country in Europe who go to another country. I mean, well, sure. they are in the well, EU. Well, Europe has relatively free travel because of, they the say, EU. the European Union. Uh, but regardless, has he ever heard of Hong Kong? I mean, Hong Kong, before it became back to part of China was not you know exactly an easy place to get to from china right like they weren't part of china so you had to go through security or whatever but still hong kong was this incredibly international city Hmm. where if you didn't know multiple languages you couldn't even be a waitress you had to know at least three or four languages to be able to do something as simple as waiting tables we're coming up here uh, we'll talk about it it's free talk live Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. We'll continue with the hit piece by a state representative here in New Hampshire against the idea of independence, against the idea of peacefully leaving the United States. We'll continue with that. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. Don't forget, you can join us online. Just head over to Free Talk Live dot com and enjoy the features that we've got our own social media site we run the servers so there's no big tech corporation that is holding an axe over your head uh and telling you what you can and can't say you can go to social.freetalklive.com to get signed up there it's open source it's mastodon based which means that there's like i don't know half a dozen apps at least that you can choose from to use to post you can post directly to the website or you can download apps for your smartphone or your uh, laptop or desktop computer that make it even easier go to social.freetalklive.com and actually somebody called in during the break to remind me of the name of the industrial park in north korea and it's called k-song k-a-e-s-o-n-g the k-song industrial region 
and it is a special administrative region of North Korea, kind of like uh, Hong Kong is now a special administrative uh, region of China. It was formed in 2002, uh, but apparently it was closed in 2016. So I had not heard Hmm. that the park had closed temporarily by the South Korean government, and all of its staff had been recalled by that administration. The president of South Korea has signaled his desire to reopen and expand the region, however. And its most notable feature is the Kaesung Industrial Park, which ran from 2004 to 2016, as a collaborative economic development with South Korea. So again, the park is actually inside of North Korea. It's 10 miles, or sorry, 6 miles north of the demilitarized zone. Hmm. So right on the other side of it, basically. Uh, An hour's drive from Seoul in South Korea with direct road and rail access to South Korea. And what the point of it is, is it allows South Korean companies to employ cheap labor that is educated, skilled, and fluent in Korean while providing North Korea with a source of foreign currency. So uh, according to the story here on Wikipedia, in 2013, 123 South Korean companies were employing 53,000 North Korean workers and 800 South Korean staff. So there were indeed hundreds of South Koreans who were able to cross the border into this incredibly restrictive hermit kingdom in order to, well, bring some money into the hermit kingdom because the communists don't know how to make money. They don't know how to do business. And so they figured, all right, well, we'll let some of these productive South Korean companies come in here. We'll keep them in this one little park and let them do business. But the point I brought this up for was simply that to counter what uh, Representative Brody Deshays had to say here in New Hampshire as far as why we can't possibly secede uh, peacefully from the United States, he says economic success is tied to free trade and travel within the Union. And certainly, we want to continue to travel freely. Obviously, we're interested in in that, and that may require some negotiation uh, with the, the U.S. federal government. But if they want to put restrictions on, it's not going to hurt our economy. And the reason for that is because we can open up to the rest of the world at that point. Yeah. You want to talk about good uh, economic freedom? How about we get rid of tariffs? Mm-hmm. How about we make it so that anyone anywhere in the world, no more sanctions, you want to trade with somebody in Cuba? You want to do business with somebody in uh, you know, North Korea or whatever? I think people should be free to make those choices. Absolutely. And I would argue that this would help our economy. It sure, sure as hell would. I mean, I don't, I forget, I think it was Chris Wade, our, our uh, Friday night co-host. He does international business. Mm-hmm. He, he runs a company called Think Penguin. They sell computers. So they're getting parts from China. And he says that the tariffs, I think, increase costs at least 25%. He and- said at Walmart, your uh, average, I mean, everything in the uh, I mean, uh, technology section, the electronics, electronics section is marked up 13%. At least. And, that, and you're talking about just from the tariffs. Then yeah, there's that's the markup that they that's market a number up to make he profit. brings up a lot. So I think that that's something that you could figure out. It's 13% just based on tariffs. Yeah, it's a lot of money, and all of that adds up quite a bit. So, you know, we would be open to Canada, and we would have an open international port, and New Hampshire would, would have a burgeoning free market, and that would mean incredible wealth, especially because we would then keep all the money that we would normally send to the federal government here in New Hampshire. Yeah. and. And that means it would be spent better because then you would get to decide how to spend uh, the money that you've earned. Anyway, he goes on. Uh, he says, New Hampshire could never survive as a sovereign nation. Maybe. That's on. why Hong Kong uh, became a, you know, a sad story of everyone dying. Hong Kong was a rock, by the way. Hong Kong has like no natural resources. Hmm. 
I mean, it's there's literally nothing out there. It's a rock in an ocean, essentially, with some trees on it. I mean, there's no real like they don't have anything that they is is nat- you know natural to the land of Hong Kong, except for relative freedom. Now, that's going to go away, likely, as the Chinese government continues to press inward and uh, continues to, you know, foist their taxes and their regulations on Hong Kong. But as of as of this year, as of last year, Hong Kong was still the number one most economically free place on the planet. And they, they created all of that simply through having freedom, through allowing people to start their own businesses without having to ask for permission. I just think it's ridiculous to think that we need to rely in New Hampshire, that we need to rely on the federal government for help. I mean, New Hampshire is a very prosperous state. We have a very low. Even now, yeah. Even now, we have a very low unemployment rate. There are tons of farms. We have everything we need within the state to be able to thrive. So I just don't think we need help from the U.S. government. If anything, the U.S. government's involvement in the state of New Hampshire is hurting us. Absolutely. Other places in the U.S. are going to start looking third world. I just don't want that to happen to New Hampshire. He also must have forgotten the fact that New Hampshire was a sovereign nation before it joined the United States. That's a great point. New Hampshire declared independence. The people of New Hampshire declared independence from uh, Great Britain and had its own nation. Yeah. We had a president. If you go back to the original Constitution of New Hampshire, which we're still on, by the way, the New Hampshire Constitution predates the United States Constitution. It's just been amended. And some of the amendments that they've made, some of the changes they've made, have changed New Hampshire from a nation into a state. And at that time, it changed from the president of New Hampshire to the governor of New Hampshire. They might still (laughs) might have still referred to him as his excellency in in previous times. Mm -hmm. Uh, But. We've been here before. Yeah, so why can't we go back? Why is it so ridiculous now? So he clearly doesn't know his history, but he goes on. He says, however, articles of secession are not only reckless, but blatantly unconstitutional. Any attempt to make New Hampshire a, quote, sovereign nation only purports to do so and is illegitimate. He says the first legal argument why states cannot secede from the Union is reasonably understandable. The federal government is the only legitimate power to admit new states and extend or retract territorial boundaries. Nowhere in our U.S. Constitution does it allow the federal government to permit any state to secede. This wouldn't be a case of retracting territorial boundaries. It would be a case of a state that is only in the Union voluntarily leaving voluntarily. Yes, and people like Deshays believe you cannot leave voluntarily because the Constitution doesn't address it. And that's a key error on his part. And also an error... I mean, he doesn't know what the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. federal Constitution is. And what is the Tenth Amendment? That anything not uh, expressly... Any right not expressly given to the federal government automatically is given to the states. Correct. Meaning that if the Constitution of the United States does not specifically say the federal government can do X, then it cannot, and the states have that power. So the Constitution says the federal government can admit states into the union, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, New Hampshire yeah. can just decide, we are the governor governor of New Hampshire, and now, Gua- I mean, uh, I don't know, some random, China is now part of the United States. Right, you can't just admit yourself into this union. Yeah. They have to vote you in. Which makes sense. There's a process. But there is no process specified to let someone leave. So presumably that just means you can just leave. And if our, uh, you know, forefathers or whatever in New Hampshire decided to join a 
federal government, you know, a federal system where they expressly said you couldn't leave, they'd be idiots. And I don't know why I would have to live by their dumb decision. I didn't sign anything. Yep. 603-283-6160. But there is a Supreme Court case that he's going to touch on here in a moment. So we should address that on the way. And your calls and thoughts are welcome. The number 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. If you want to join us in these remaining moments, we have enough time for you. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. And we're going to continue here with the uh, attack piece by a state representative as to why he believes that New Hampshire cannot secede. Or why any state, in his mind, cannot secede. Because he says, well, it doesn't say so in the Constitution. Well, as Bonnie pointed out... That actually means that we do have the right to secede because it doesn't say you can't. And why on earth would someone join a union that they would never be allowed to leave under any circumstances whatsoever? It's Great insane. Question. Like if, you know, the federal government waged war against the states. Be or whatever reason, reason I'd want to leave. Yeah. or they, That the, already happened. Or the federal government's rife with corruption or they're printing too much money or whatever. You, you name it. There's so many different reasons. Uh, that we should go. And tomorrow afternoon in New Hampshire and Concord at the State House Legislative Office Building, there's going to be a, a historic hearing. Hopefully, we will pack it full of people. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how many people show up to this because I have no idea. I think I think that place is going to be packed. I know so many people that are really passionate about really? this issue. Okay. And I think some of the people that I know that are going to the midwifery building mm-hmm. are stick around. staying. Great. So. Uh, and there's going to be a rally at 2 o'clock and a press conference at 3 and then the the hearing starts at 3.30. I think this is going to be the most people from Keene that have ever went out of town to do something that since I moved here. So good. I think Probably. this is going to be huge. That's a good sign. And, you know, so uh, three people from Alstead. You can go to nhexit.us if you want to learn more about what's happening here. But more on why he says it can't be done. You know, like they used to say, you can't fly. You can't fly that plane. You know, that's impossible. Uh, a lot of people have always said you can't do things. Anyway, he says that uh, our Constitution is quite clear on this issue. And then he cites Article 4, Section 3, whatever that is. No state constitution, he says, have ever suggested that states hold this power. Actually, that's not true at all. The Texas Constitution explicitly retains yeah. their right to uh, secede. And the New Hampshire Constitution has in its Article 10 the right to revolution. And it specifically says that it is your duty to say goodbye to a government, to reform or to abolish uh, a government if it has become too tyrannical. And then Article 7 in the New Hampshire Constitution is the uh, essentially the idea that we are a sovereign uh, yeah. place. So, going on. Constitutions, he says, are implicit contracts with citizens. And that, an implicit contract doesn't exist. That grants government specific powers. Well, yeah, that's a great point. We didn't sign this thing either way, so that there's that. No one alive today in New Hampshire ever signed the U.S. Constitution? Well, my neighbor across the street has an implicit contract with me because they didn't complain when I stole their dog. With no power explicitly given allowing secession, he says no state can ever secede. And again, he's just got it backwards. He obviously doesn't understand the Tenth Amendment, and he should review it. But there's more. He says another argument lies with the U.S. Supreme Court's decision, Texas versus White, in 1869. He says 
In the court's majority decision, Salmon Chase, who's a chief justice, a New Hampshire native, explained the Union began during the Revolutionary War amongst the colonies. In his decision, he writes, the Union, quote, was confirmed and strengthened and received definite form and character and sanction from the Articles of Confederation, and by these, the Union was solemnly declared to, quote, be perpetual, unquote. Justice Chase then says that our current Constitution was, quote, ordained to form a more perfect union, which intended to, quote, convey the idea of indissoluble unity, unquote. Therefore, Into infinity. Forever. That's crazy. Therefore, the union can never be dissolved, says DeShays. And does he know what that, what he was just reading is? It's an opinion, a bad, dumb opinion. It's true. It was an opinion by men uh, who are dressed in robes, and everybody believes that these men in robes get to decide what the Constitution means. Well, they're magic robes. (laughs) But as was pointed out in an interesting article at the Texas Nationalist Movement website, uh, I posted a link to it over on uh, the Shire Forums in the NHExit section at forum.shiresociety.com. The Texas versus white decision doesn't cite anything for its basis. They... They can't cite anything from the Constitution because there's nothing there. So it's just, as you pointed out, Bonnie, it's literally the opinion of, guess what, a Lincoln appointee <laughs> on a highly Lincoln appointed Supreme Court. Wait, Lincoln? I didn't know it was that old. That's right. 1869. Whoa. Yeah. So, so hmm. some old man in nineteen or 1869 said that no one could ever leave the Union. Brody Deshays, a 23-year-old like person living today, believes that we, can, we just can never leave the Union, no oh, matter how man. much well, Lincoln literally abused people. It was several old men, Bonnie, so that makes oh. it totally fine. It's ridiculous. But the thing is, when a court makes a decision, when a court renders an opinion, and the Supreme Court's job is to render opinions on, you know, federal law for the most part, and the, and what, you know, interpret the Constitution, again, they couldn't cite anything here. It was just him simply saying, well, we said so. It wasn't, oh, the mm-hmm. Constitution says this, so therefore, well, no, the Constitution doesn't say that. <laughs> it doesn't say anything about secession. It doesn't say anything about how to leave the union. And that means that it's up to the states. And the fact that he's a Lincoln appointee is pretty telling. But also the fact that he is part of the federal government. The federal government telling you you can't leave is like an abusive boyfriend being the one deciding that you can't leave. Oh, well, yep. he said I can't leave. So I can't legally leave. He says our form of government and constitution is predicated on the union's, quote, perpetual, unquote, existence. Without this perpetual existence, we would be throwing away the union and with it, the U.S. Constitution. That's Thank God. True. I mean, that sounds awesome to me, but it's also not true. The union would still exist. Right. It would just have yeah. 49 states. Move to That's Massachusetts, true. bro. If you want 50, just make Puerto Rico a state or D.C. a state. Well, Puerto Rico has not voted to become a state. I don't think they mm. want to. No. Mm. Uh, it keeps coming up, by the way, for a vote in Puerto Rico, and it never um, never goes through. Hmm. But, yeah, and there has been a movement to make D.C. a state. You're right Well, about I'm that, just so. saying it doesn't have to be 50 states. It would still be a union of 49 yeah, states. and he can still have his precious U.S. Constitution. And the Constitution would still exist. He could move to Massachusetts. Or it's Vermont. just right over the border yeah, from yeah. where he lives. Uh, the last constitutional argument, he says, is straightforward. It doesn't matter whether or not secession is illegal. What matters is that the Union beat the Confederacy in the Civil War. And once this happened, the illegality of unilateral secession was de facto established. Our question was answered at Appomattox Courthouse in 1865. 
It also means the repercussions for attempting unilateral secession have been decided too. The federal government must punish states and their leaders who try to secede. Oh my gosh. So yeah, he's just basically saying, all right, might makes right. We're going to crush you. You, uh, We should roll in troops, roll in tanks, and bomb you into submission. So if people don't want to be ruled by him, it doesn't matter. That's the type of person he is. He will kill you. And it's so <laughs> ironic because it's always like Merca bros like that, that like mm-hmm. always preach freedom. And he looks but like then, that, by the way. Does he? Yeah. But then when you try to propose actual freedom, they're like, Whoa. no, no, my precious America. No. My constitution. <laughs> So he finally says, which leads us to another question. Can state leaders introduce or vote for articles of secession? No, they cannot. Well, they didn't, dude. This is a vote by the people, and it requires the the state representatives to pass it so the people can vote. Uh, And he says, that's not my opinion. It's what our Constitution explicitly states. And then he cites the 14th Amendment. And he's talking about the the U.S. US Constitution. Not my Constitution. Yeah, at no point does he reference the New Hampshire Constitution in this document. He's probably never read it. Even though he swore an oath to it. Or his dad or whoever wrote this. The 14th Amendment, he says, is very clear. No state legislator shall engage in rebellion against the Constitution. Do you know what rebellion is, Deshays? Rebellion is violence. Rebellion is to actively use violence against the state. The the wording of CACR 32 specifically uses the word peaceful. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, he says uh, it would be casting a vote to rebel against the union and therefore the same constitution establishing the perpetual union he says, I encourage my fellow lawmakers to reject New Hampshire's Articles of Secession and protect constitutional government. Not only is CACR 32 logistically impossible, but New Hampshire's Articles of Secession are unconstitutional and may require enforcement of the 14th Amendment, specifically Section 3. The New Hampshire House should not be forcing America into a constitutional crisis. The question of <laughs> unilateral state secession died in Appomattox. It's Let's funny keep how it that way. Right there when he says forcing America into a constitutional crisis and also we need to protect the government, it's so clear how scared the government statist lovers are right now of the people taking control of their own lives. Yep. Yeah. It wouldn't be a constitutional crisis. The U.S. Constitution would still be there. People could still follow it if they wanted to. The other 49 states could trundle on or others may decide to go. And I think that's what he's really worried about. here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that's exactly what will happen. There will be a domino effect, you think? I think so. Especially, I mean, like Texas has been talking about this and stuff. So people would see that the end of the world didn't happen. And in fact, New Hampshire became more prosperous. And they would be the freest place on the planet. Absolutely. Uh, out of time for tonight. We'll bring you the latest tomorrow as we're all going to the state house. And hopefully, if you're in the area and you're up in you know New England or New Hampshire and you want to speak out, come on and join us at the legislative office building. The details are over at nhexit.us. It'll be tomorrow afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow on Free Talk Live.